Hey everybody, I'm Nick Davis. Welcome to Simply Not Easy, the podcast about simple action steps to improve the journey of your life as I work to improve the journey of my own. Hey, what's up everybody? Hope you're doing good today. It's been another great day here for me. Um, Yeah, doing great. So today I got back uh, in terms of clinic life. I got back in my kind of normal outpatient routine. A little bit of a slower day today, but it was good to be back, you know, with having the weekend off. Then um, the last few days I was out working in the polytrauma and spinal cord injury center, which again, fantastic to gain that perspective. Fantastic to always change things up, keep everything dynamic, learn something new from clinicians in a very, very different area, and a chance to work with a different patient population too. Extremely rewarding. And, you know, each one of them with their own version of success and own different challenges as well. So that was a great experience. Really enjoyed that a lot, but also enjoy kind of being back with my other crew out in the outpatient clinic. Had some really good evals today, getting some new patients in. So always a rewarding time and tomorrow is going to be another busy day right at it again. So today, Wednesday, we are on our workout Wednesday. Again, this is still kind of the first week of going through the themes. So thank you for bearing with me. I'm enjoying this so far. And yeah, so for workout Wednesday, um, what we're going to do throughout the weeks is we're going to either talk about a different style of workout, a method of training, um, some little aspect within the idea of just working out what it means, how to structure a workout, um, and see what we can gain from that. And this really comes from my big practice of having your life involve fitness in some way, shape, or form, whatever that means, whatever fitness means for you, but getting getting more movement in throughout your day. And hopefully throughout this podcast, throughout the Workout Wednesdays, all of you who are listening out there might be able to gain a little nugget of wisdom here and there or something to give your workouts more structure and more order so that you're not always scrambling to put something together to figure out for yourself and you might not always have to rely on a personal trainer all the time or because I know some people too is lack of information leads to lack of commitment because there's a disconnect and so it might be really really mentally struggling for some people to even put in the effort to show up to the gym because people say that you know showing up's just half the battle well sure absolutely it is because you got to eventually get there but if you show up to the gym and you're spending a ton of mental energy kind of planning out your workouts figuring out all the details exactly what you do and it doesn't come as natural to you especially early on then that can be really frustrating because a lot of people go to the gym to better their lives, better their health, but also for a mental break because, I mean, there's so much stress in our work days, in our lives. I think a ton more stress than what we need and then what's good for us. So finding your way of recovery and your way of kind of mentally retuning yourself for whatever escape, whatever break, whatever form of recovery you need. And for many people, that does happen to be fitness. Now, it's not everybody, but at the very least, you can be in the moment, be intentional about that moment, and not worry about work stresses while you've got your workout going on, no matter how long or short it is. So today, what I want to talk to you guys about is how to safely progress a workout, how to safely change up a workout. And I'll throw you back to 
some of my early days. So I talked to you guys about how in high school, you know, um, there's one year, one one day, uh, a period of about a week or so, my junior year of high school, late in the year, where I basically said to myself, you know what, I'm tired of being fat. I'd started finding some academic success, success. I'd started finding some success in other areas of my life, and it started to bleed over. And it, the, it's great because the first thought wasn't, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take action. I'm going to do this. It was, hey, here's something about my life that I'm not necessarily proud about. And then it came to, how do I change that? So I've got the issue. The problem always comes first. The problem comes first. You recognize it. Then it's, okay, what do I do about it? And so I'll be honest with you guys. I was not the best at the time at planning out workout programs and planning out recovery and planning out ways to kind of last longer and keep the intensity going. Um, I was young at the time. I didn't have a lot of knowledge. I didn't have mentors at the time to help guide me along the way. I was just really looking up random stuff online for myself and trying to find things that appeared to work for my body or not. And because of that, there were tons of fluctuations throughout myself. I mean, there are days where, you know, I'd go through workouts and everything, um, whether it was kind of a, a circuit a circuit of, you know, four different exercises in a row, back to back, and I'd go through them in the next few days, you know, wouldn't feel too sore, wouldn't be too bad, pretty manageable. But then the next day after that, I'd hit a workout and, you know, what I thought at the time might be a similar caliber But oh man, was I nasty sore. And, you know, it's not only are you sore just a little bit the day later, but when about that 36 hour mark hits in, especially doing, so Muscle Monday, we talked about different kinds of strengthening, the concentric, isometric, and eccentric. Well, doing that eccentric strengthening, especially the slow and controlled on the way down, having a focus on that, man, that really gets that delayed muscle soreness. They call it DOMS, D-O-M-S, delayed onset muscle soreness. And basically what that means is afterwards, you're a little bit sore. You know, the next day you're kind of sore. And then two days later, about 36 hours, oh man, you are a hurting puppy. And so I would have a lot of that. I would have a lot of fluctuations and it seemed like I didn't know how to regulate it. I didn't know how to control that. I didn't know how to predict it as well. Over time, both I got more accustomed to the workouts I was doing. So I was less sore over time and I could push myself to a higher threshold to still be sore and be challenged again. But it wasn't intentional. It was kind of experimental. Um, And I eventually found a rhythm for myself. I eventually kind of got the intellectual part of it for the rhyme to the reason. But there is a long time where, I mean, I was just going back and forth and not knowing necessarily what was best for myself or not and when I was overdoing it or not. And I'm sure some of you have been there too. You've been in different training programs or there are some exercises or some certain weights that are just killer for you and others that are no issue whatsoever. So I want to I wanna break this down for you guys. And it goes back to some information that I learned actually my sophomore year of college. It was an elective course I took. And the course was called Fitness Application for Health Promotion. Yeah, sounds pretty cool. Maybe a little boring, but... Um, as far as the sound of the name, but it was awesome. It was a great course. Um, my professor, he, um, he originally studied his undergrad at Beijing Sport University. He was from China originally, came over to the U S to go ahead and get his master's out here. I think somewhere in Indiana. 
in physical education and higher education. So anyways, we were, um, and I eventually went to do a study abroad with him in China, which was a fantastic experience. So um, that next summer, actually, between my sophomore and junior year of college during the summer, I took a summer study abroad program where I went to China. And it was with 11 to 12 other, 11 other students in the health science program. And the focus was on health and healing from the Eastern medicine perspective. And the awesome thing was, is we got to stay and live at the sport universities of these different places we went. So we went to Beijing, we went to Shanghai, we went to Chengdu. Um, Chengdu is probably slightly less well-known as compared to Shanghai and Beijing, but it's kind of like the, uh, the tropical paradise area in China, like definitely a big tropical humid climate. Um, and they're known for the really, really spicy food. But anyways, we got to live right at the sport universities when we were there. So we were around all these um, Chinese students who were highly, highly educated and trained in your sport. So how in America, people joke, and I'm sure high school teachers have joked with a lot of student athletes about how, you know, you don't, you go to college and you play football. You don't go to football and play college. How really the student athlete, the student comes first. Well, in China, that's not always how it's done, actually. So in China, there are plenty of people at the sport universities where their major was ping pong, or their major was basketball, or their major was martial arts. I mean, it was wild. It was totally a different culture change. And I'm someone who I think I'm, you know, relatively fit. But I was going around at the place there, and especially in Beijing Sport University, and oh man, I look like a wimp compared to everybody out there. And it was amazing. Everybody's so specially trained, high-level knowledge. Um, so out of China's Olympic medals, a, a third of them were won by people who at the time were current students at Beijing Sport University. So, I mean, that just shows you the magnitude of that program there and the high level of achievement and success and training and expectation out of those places. So to get in is a... It takes a high level of competition to get into the sport programs there. But anyway, so yeah, so great time studying abroad in China, eye-opening. Um, just a chance to explore the world, explore so much, so many different cultures. I'm sure I'll, you know, later on in the podcast and different episodes down the road touch on different things about that trip. But incredible time, amazing memories for myself. But anyway, so I, yeah, I went to study abroad with this professor, but he was my professor for the class, and I love this guy. He had a slight Chinese accent, um, and one of the things he would always say, because he was big on, you know, I mean, the class is health, fitness application for health promotion, so he was big on just getting people to move, getting people to exercise, have a good, healthy lifestyle, <laughs> and he would always say, now remember, do not be a couching potato, and he was always talking about, like, people being couch potatoes. But I, I love it. Just he's like, do not be a couching potato. No couching potatoes today. Great guy. So when we, I got to this class for the first time, I was one out of four, which was crazy. Such an extremely small class. I think it was because that we had an 8 a.m. lab section for the class, and not many people wanted to electively choose to get up at 8 a.m. for an intensive lab class. But... Anyways, we had a blast. It was great. I was the only sophomore at the time, and the other three were juniors. So as far as background, it was myself, a physical therapy major, 
and um, I had more of a strength and conditioning background. I didn't play. I don't play any sports in college formally, but throughout high school, middle school, I played football, wrestling, lacrosse, basketball, and soccer. So I had a little bit of variety in there, and I was doing more of a strength and conditioning kind of thing. We had another girl in there who she was some kind of health promotion major, and she was big into CrossFit, and that was her passion. She was really, really good at that. We had another guy in there who he was a phys ed major, and he was on the football team, uh, guard alignment for that, and doing really well. Um, another, then the the fourth person, the other girl, she was a PT major the year above me, and track athlete, cross country athlete, so much more of a endurance runner. So four totally, totally different people, four totally different athlete type of athletes, four totally different types of perspectives. So it's great being in that environment, um, and just getting a chance to be really personable, collaborate. And yeah, you've got formal lecture material, but the great part it was with such a small group, it was always a dynamic conversation for the lectures and for the labs when we got into it. Man, everybody got to do everything. We were um, measuring our body fat composition by all these different methods. We were doing it from just taking little kind of pinches of our folds of fat around our skin in different areas and doing calculations with that. And we were going all the way to putting ourselves in an underwater dunk tank. And kind of like the ones you see at a carnival fair, only thing a little bit less of a splash and a ton of science behind it, where you're just breathing a certain way and getting some kind of advanced measurements in there, you can tell the composition of body fat. And that's really the gold standard for how you can tell total body fat percentage. And that's great for athletes because, you know, if you guys have heard of BMI before, that stands for body mass index, and that's used to measure obesity. But all it really is is your total weight and divided by your height. Now, there are some, it squares some of the numbers in there and stuff, and it's more than just a simple division, but it's a ratio. It's a ratio of weight to height. So the more you weigh, the higher your BMI is. Or the taller you are with the same weight, the lower your BMI is, which is good for a large population. But for an individual person, it doesn't tell you very much. You know, for the... For the 210 football running back who's five foot eight, they would be technically obese. But they might have a body fat percentage of 11% because they've just got so much muscle, so it's healthy because muscle weighs more than fat. So it's it, measuring body fat can be really good and really important. Um, and for just a more accurate perception of somebody's fitness compared to just their BMI. Because you can have a BMI, so 25 is considered, between 25 and 30 is considered overweight, and 30 and above is obese. And between 20 and 25 is nor, quote unquote normal. Now I can tell you I'm between the 25 and 30 range for sure. And But you can have a BMI of 28 and be extremely unhealthy. Or you can have a BMI of 28 and be extremely healthy. But you can't have a body weight, um, a body fat percentage of 28 and be extremely healthy. But you can have a body fat percentage of 12 and be extremely healthy. And of course, as you can imagine with anatomy, the ideal body fat percentage for males and females differ significantly. So females should have a higher body fat percentage than males. Um, 
pretty obviously pretty obvious when you think about the reasons why. Not going to get into that now, though. So, talking about so what I want to talk about today is how to progress a fitness program. Because when I was young, I was horrible at it. Didn't know what I was doing. It was a lot of trial by error and eventually calibrating my body and eventually finding better resources to learn how to do it. But what we talked about in this class is an acronym. And the acronym is FIT. F-I-T. Which is, you know, great. You talk about fitness, you got to talk about strength. FIT's a great acronym to have. So the F stands for frequency. Frequency meaning how often. The I standard stands for intensity. So you can have a very low intensity activity like walking. Or you can have a very high intensity activity like a 100 meter sprint. Or a 40 yard dash. And so all these things, and there are wide scales between those. So um, you can have, like say for strength training, you can have, for somebody who's really had in good shape, a plank holding a plank for abs might be low intensity if they're able to hold that plank for two minutes but a high intensity exercise for them might be banging out 30 burpees in a row or might be doing a power clean at 185 pounds very very different uh, then after so you've got frequency the F, the I, you've got intensity. The T is time, time or duration. And the time means how long are you doing the thing for? So if you're walking, you know, you might be walking or jogging for 25 minutes. If you're doing a 100 meter dash, you might be doing that 100 meter dash for 12 and a half seconds. So how long are you doing the activity for? Now, as a principle, intensity, how intense um, and kind of active a task is, and the duration you're doing it for are inversely related. In other words, if you make a task so, so hard and extremely intense, your body physically, physio physiologically can't do it for as long. And it goes the other way too. If you do a task for a really, really long time, you can't do it as intensely as you did before if you were truly giving it your all. So those two are inversely related. Other than frequency is truly what it is. It's about how long you're doing it for. So frequency, um, so duration would be more like the time, time or duration would be more like kind of during the day, during that one bout of exercise. So let's talk about, um, let's say for squats, for example. The frequency might be twice a week. The intensity might be you're squatting with a loaded bar on your shoulders, doing a back squat for 225 pounds. And the duration might be 10 reps. Or you could technically say the duration might be three sets of 10 reps. Some people might say that the frequency also includes the number of sets. Like so, um, time would be how much time it takes to do ten sets, whereas frequency would be three sets of those ten reps. 
So kind of the point is that you have all these variables. And the way I think about it is fit, F-I-T, when you multiply those all together, that equals V, that equals volume. And our body, as far as strength training, responds to volume. So it's the total volume of all those that are impactful. So let's say you have a certain workout program going on and you're doing good, you're getting better at it, and you're trying to figure out, okay, how do I make this more challenging for myself? Well, you've got your formula, you've got your frequency, you've got your intensity, and you've got your time slash duration. So sure, you could kind of randomize things and not know exactly what you're doing and maybe it'll feel harder, maybe it won't. That's what I did at first. Um, you know, it definitely wasn't as efficient or as great as it could have been for me. But the recommendation is to just change one variable at a time. So they all multiply together to equal volume. So to increase it, just increase one of them. So let's say you're doing, you know, we'll go with squats again. Let's say you're going twice a week for a intensity of 225 pounds for three sets of 10 reps. And you're looking to increase that. Well, you could increase the number of sets. You could go to four sets each time. You could increase the number of days. You could go to three days a week, as long as you have enough time to actually recover from that. You could increase the intensity so that you could increase the um, time as well, the duration, by increasing the number of reps. You could increase it from 225 pounds of 10 reps three times to increasing it to 225 pounds of 12 reps three times so you're banging out more reps so that's more volume of training or what you could do is you could increase the weight the intensity by the weight the resistance so instead of doing 225 you could go to 245 and still bang out 10 reps or you could do two you could increase one variable and lower the other just have a similar training volume, but still reach higher weights to, over time, know that instead of plateauing, you're switching these variables up about the same level so that eventually you can push forward. It's like in business where sometimes you need to make lateral job moves in the market before you can ascend again. You need to go to a place where you can find upward mobility. And so if you're plateauing in your fitness, but you don't feel like you're necessarily ready to up at the next level to a high, high level, what you can always do is you can slightly increase one aspect of the fit, the frequency, intensity, time, while slightly decreasing another aspect just to add more variability in the body to change the way that the body reacts to it. So using the fit principle, frequency, intensity, and time can be a really good way to not only monitor kind of how much exercise you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis, but it can also help change things so you feel like you're ready to progress. Great. And then you can experiment with that. Let's say, you know, you're doing a certain amount of exercise, and then you increase it by a little bit, and you see how your body feels the next few days after that. So you see how your body feels in a week compared to it. It might be that, you know, you need to tone it down even more. You might just need to wait it out and let your body get used to that higher training volume total. Or, you know, you might be even be able to push it up even more again. But keeping an increase in small increments 
with that principle in mind can be a really, really good and safe way to progress exercise without worrying about overreaching, overshooting, overtraining way too hard, or, you know, you get way too fatigued, then you start getting bad format that can put you at risk for injury. So for people going forward, whether you've kind of are advancing your training or just barely started physical training or haven't even started physical training, consider the principles of FIT, um, kind of the simple acronym standing for frequency, intensity, and time, and how that applies to your workouts and how you might be able to use that to change the total volume of your workout to make things more effective for you. And you can use that and for people who have really good experience with exercise so far, where you feel like you're closer to the intermediate, intermediate or advanced stage, use these ideas for muscle groups that you want to emphasize. So you might still keep the same frequency, intensity, and time for, let's say, uh, chest and triceps types exercises. But let's say you want to focus on increasing the total volume for more back and bicep exercises let's say you want to be a little bit more back dominant than front dominant to even things out because most people are rounded forward and front dominant so then you could work on increasing the fit for the back and bicep group while maintaining the same amount for the chest and tricep group so thank you everybody for listening hope you guys had a great time with this episode apply those principles to fit And hey, I really enjoyed that study abroad to China. I hope that encourages you to, you know, take some opportunities there. If you ever get a chance to travel the world, totally do it. It's it's incredibly worth a life, and I really mean this, a life-changing perspective about how other people live, but both a great internal um, realization of how similar we all are. And I didn't speak great Chinese. I don't speak great Chinese still. But the fact of when two people from two different cultures have a strong desire to communicate and learn and share with each other, the barriers to language fall apart and you you will find ways to communicate. So don't let poor language, um, foreign language, be a reason to stop you from going somewhere. Um, Because if it was for me, I totally wouldn't have had that amazing experience. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining me on the Simply Not Easy podcast. Stay fit.